We would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded and produced on the land of the Jaguarong and Wurundjeri peoples. We recognize the thousands of years of culture and stories shared on these lands where sovereignty was never ceded. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past, present and emerging and recognize their ongoing struggles for justice. I see the pictures bigger than me. This is way bigger than me. This is two weeks in, I said this is global. This is TLW Listen, talking to the people the media is only talking about. I'm Melody, you're listening to episode 00 on the Jaguarong Embassy. This Wednesday, the 21st of August, the Jaguarong Embassy is facing its biggest threat. Ever since the state government and major roads project Victoria proposed a Western Highway expansion, the traditional owners of the land, the Jaguarong people, have been defending their land through direct action. We spoke to one of the key members, Amanda, about Jaguarong land and her life at the embassy. For the people who don't know, what are you doing here? Okay, so there is MRPV, which is major project Roads Victoria, uh, which are linked to Vic Roads, uh, wanting to build or extend the highway through here. So um, we're protecting sacred site. There is a birthing tree here, or there's two birthing trees here, which have um, seen 10, 000, over 10,000 babies being born inside of them so um, it's not just about those significant trees it's the whole landscape it's 12 and a half kilometers you don't need to build a road in here you know um, and what we're doing is protecting that from the government from MRPV from going through with that road so what is it that they want the road for exactly well look I'm pretty sure it's not just about a road I mean you look out there this is as busy as, as it gets and if anyone lives in Melbourne they know that their suburban yeah. side streets busier than this yeah, yeah. so definitely not just about a road. So what brought you here? How did you hear about okay. the Western Highway and everything? Sure. So um, there was a call out on, on Facebook um, from one of the elders and it was my partner that came up on the first day. I came up on the third day. My intention was to come in three days and look here I am just over 12 months later still. Okay. Yeah. So why did you stay this long? Look, first and foremost, it's, it is a cult obligation, you know, whether it's your country or not. We were the caretakers of this land. It says it all in our all in our stories, in our song lines, how to take care of the land. So yeah, number one, it's a spiritual and cultural obligation, but how do you get shown something and then turn your back on it? Just something speaks to me to stay. So can you tell us a bit about your life before you came down to the embassy? Yeah, sure. So mainstream person, yeah. uh, I work for Toll actually controlling trucks at Toll. That's what I did, that was my job. So wage every week, it was great. Savings, car, you know, little house with a picket fence. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my life beforehand. So what changed for you to stop accepting that mainstream life well, to then just come here? Where all these roads are built, this is where our people used to walk. So it's the plan of the crushing the culture, getting rid of it finally, you know, they tried to breed us out. They tried the massacres, you know, but we're all still here. And I guess that tree, you know, she spoke to me, not in English words, but it's an energy that they give out. It's, it's something I get from that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so did you have any plans when you were leaving high school to do anything like activist, radical? What did you no, think? No, look, I always, like? well, look, I always had, you know, a big heart for basically the rest of the world, you know, always believing people before they make me believe otherwise. So activism, look, not so much, but I did have plans of, you know, either going up north or to a third world country and, you know, spending a little bit of time there, just helping out where I could. But, you know, 
it didn't turn out that way. I had kids quite young. I was 18 when I had my son. So I was just a mum for all those years. And then now um, my life's a little bit more mine. Um, it's great that I've been able to do this now. Yeah. So then you get silly people like that. Yeah. That just don't understand what's going on. You know, rather than pulling in and having a cup of tea and asking a question, they just, you know, in their own miserable lives, they project that misery onto us by doing those types of things. Do people do that often? Oh, look, every half an hour you're getting somebody doing that, yeah. you know, or yelling things out. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's not good, but, you know, I'm used to it. So you're here now. What do you miss about before? Money. No, I don't. No, I'm just joking. That's a root of all evil. But no, it is a monetary world. Um, what do I miss? Flicking on a light switch. Flicking on the kettle. I do miss I do miss work, like I love work. It's not a hell of a lot, really, you know. And like, I've got children that are that are adults, but still, you know, it's tough for them. I mean, I get from, you know, the likes of young ones coming up here that are around the same age as my kids say, oh, God, I wish my mum would do something like that, or my dad, or, and, but then I've got my kids going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What? So you've been here for a year. Yeah, just over. Yeah, just over a year. Just over. Yeah. So you're here, and you've been here for a really long time. Where is everyone else? Well, I think everyone else is asleep still. You know, like I was. When I say mainstream people, that's what I mean by mainstream. That you're going along with the conditioning and the, um, the everyday lives and. Well, I guess the government, this is what they plan, this is, this is what their plan is. I mean, I was working six days a week at one stage, you know, I wanted my thousand and something dollars a week, and now I'm living on basically nothing, thrown in the deep end where we are right now. It's hard, but it's, it's something that I, I just have to do. It's something inside me says, I don't think I could live with myself if, if I turn my back on it. Okay, so how do you do normal things here? Showers, toilets, wow. food, water? Yeah, sure. Actually, got a long drop now with there was a hired one but you know way too expensive but so there's a long drop which is great um showers we've just built a shower with a, a rocket combustion oven so it takes about an hour to heat up but i haven't tried it yet it's been built for about a month so it's just going down to the local um camping grounds and just showering there or if we know someone in town yeah just showering there okay yeah it's hard it's tough yeah and yeah. that doesn't bother you no, look, it doesn't, when, because I see the pictures bigger than me. This is way bigger than me. This is two weeks in, I said this was global. I knew it two weeks in. So it's a global crisis, and I will keep quoting myself is, you know, people talk about climate change, and then it was climate emergency, and then it was, you know, climate extinction, and now it's climate justice. We are climate justice. You know, First Nations people all around the world, because there's some lines that connect us all up as First Nations. We have to start listening to us, you know, like people out there have to start understanding what's really going on. And yeah, we are the justice for the crime. Yeah. And do you feel like there are um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who don't listen to their song as much? Of course. I mean, you know, it's been taken away, um, has for years since colonisation. That's when it began. And it's sad to see that, but that's okay too. When they're ready to come, they'll come. You can't make people think like you think just because it's totally the right way you know otherwise I wouldn't say anything I always when I don't know or I think I might be wrong I won't say a word but I know I'm 100% right yeah. with this it's all around us we're all sick every one of us you know um, 
everything that the earth's made up of, we are. The salts, the minerals, the water, that's everything is in us, you know? So if she's sick, we're all sick. Domestic violence, mental health, cancer, everything, all diseases. Because she's sick, we're sick. Why do you think people don't really feel that or understand that as much anymore? That's a tough one because um, I think, you know, before colonisation, our people used to think seven generations in front. And I think these days everybody's just thinking of their retirement plan or their 30 years in front, you know, that's, yeah. and that's all they're thinking about. They're not thinking of their, the legacy that they're going to leave for the next generation. You know, that's their great, that's their blood still, their great, great grandchildren. I don't think, because it's not in their face, they don't see the world falling apart, it's not falling apart. And the distractions too that the government have people following is just, yeah, people blame technology, it's not just technology. There's plenty of distractions out there to keep them asleep. So, what does a resolution look like for you guys? Look, it's not negotiable, you know, it's not just about a couple of trees, you know, all of nature's significant, but if we can save, or we're going to save this 12 and a half kilometre stretch, that's the way it's got to be. It's not just about saving a handful of trees. So you've had responses from, from yes. people who, from the government who've said that they've saved three or 15 yeah, or the correct. birthing trees. What's all that about? Yeah, so, I mean, from the very get-go, um, look, it's, it's stated by the government there's certain rules that, and, and policies and procedures that they have to follow um, the big company like MRPV, Big Roads. Um, no traditional owners were um, consulted from the very start and that's just another systemic way like they abuse us they'll set up things like uh, registered Aboriginal parties which are called wraps they're the black holes that get sucked in we can do this and there's plenty of money involved but they've got to you know go by certain procedures themselves so they've got to fall the government you know so and what the government wants them to do so they do, they're already doing what the government wants them to do if they don't they don't get their funding for the next year right. so they don't continue on but they don't represent a lot of them don't represent the actual traditional owners of the area it's only a board of them you know they don't go out and consult the traditional owners either this is where it's all divide and conquer some of those people might be traditional owners but then they're all fighting because they're not looking out for their family's best interests that you know people from this area they're worried about their funding next year this is where we all get caught up in it in that systemic abuse you know um yeah it's crazy just about the um the rats is that right oh the registered aboriginal parties yeah look, so, so look, how does that work well look look i'm still confused about the way they work because what it is they're a registered Aboriginal party who are meant to represent the people of that country, of that area. Okay, so Japarong, for example. Now, that registered Aboriginal party is a member of, of a team of board members that gets funding from the government um, that represents the people of the area. So they need to go back and consult with the traditional owners, right? have meetings and whatnot about what's going to happen for the area. But a lot of these don't. They know how, usually how traditional owners do feel about the area, which is sacred to them. You know, so they've been whitewashed a little bit and all they're worried about is their funding for next year. So they'll just pretend that they've had traditional owner meetings um, or meetings with traditional owners. They don't. There's a lot of under, under the table deals and boost them up the ladder a bit, the, you know, the corporate ladder. They're just a corporation, really, you know, run by the government. It's still government because they're paid by the government. They're worried about money. That's it. Okay. But it's, you know, no, it's not about a land grab. Yeah. Nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to do with money. Um, you know, we were bribed by Vic Roads. I'm going to say that. 
at one stage, about six tier down from the CEO, came in and one day and he basically said, you know, it's a drop in the ocean from what we've spent so far, what do you want, you know, sky's the limit. Um, so we recorded him saying all that stuff, but it's, you know, it's nothing to do with that. Like I think for the Japarong people, I think they've taken away enough since colonization. You know, there were a lot of massacres in this area where Alangi Grang there, you know, women and children that have been chased into those caves and those caves were said alike. None of this is ever spoken about. This country is so narcissistic. The government is just so narcissistic. It's all under the table. That's why we ever had the government say, well, okay, let's go do a deal. The deal would be what my partner would say, you come and sit at this campfire and, and, and we'll do a deal at the fire because there'd be no hands under the table, you know, you can't slide anything under the table then there's no table to slide it under and the truth comes out in the fire. But there'll be no negotiables anyway. It's not negotiable here. Okay, so it's don't build the... No, go away. At all? Yeah, yep. no roads. So they've got the northern route that they can take, yep. which is over the railway track just there. Now, back in the day, see, people lived here. You know, this is what this landscape says, yep. you know. Over the other side, where these roads could go, uh, is a hunting ground. Okay. That's where it was back then. Yep. So it's not as culturally significant on that side as it is this side. This side tells more of the story. Yep. So, yeah. And yet you said not as culturally significant. Yeah, as so culturally. It's, you're it still, still is. Yeah. yeah, we're still sacrificing. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, we're not totally against the road. We know it's progress. We understand that. We're not stupid. But, you know, this 12 and a half kilometre stretch isn't a lot. So just give it back. You know, you've taken enough. Yeah. They're trying to make this place safer because there's been a few accidents That's that what are happening said. Yeah. And then they're also getting us three minutes less time. Yeah, three so minutes. What, what are the other benefits of this and thoughts on those benefits? Oh, look, God knows. I mean, like I said, that's how they get the public fooled is by saying those couple of things and people believe that. There were five accidents though on that Easter long weekend, but they weren't even, like, I think three out of those five weren't even on the road that's ready for upgrade. So, you know, that was part of the bypass, a couple of those accidents. And look, why would you want to do 100 or 110 on this road? You know, you've got wildlife and stuff like that still. So what causes accidents is the night time when you can't see, it's blinded. You're blinded by the oncoming traffic. Light the goddamn road up then, you know what I mean? Put some street lights in. Light it up. The, the road's fine. So how do you feel that the systems that we have in place can accommodate for your voice, for what you're doing here, and can actually change their actions? The system? Yeah. Look, the government, I, I see them as bullies. That's what I see them as because, you know, originally they were formed for the people. What do they do for the people but rip us off, really? They've turned us all into slaves. I don't think there's anything, and this is why we have to do what we're doing right now. How do you bully a bully you bully them that's what you do you have to that's what we're trying to do you know what i mean we're mirror imaging the government basically and they can't they don't know what to do you know so no there's nothing i don't think yeah nothing at all look i was asked late last year state election i wanted to run for the local government here no chance maybe five years ago i would have said yeah no worries i'll do that but i know for sure like it doesn't matter whether you're a politician in those houses of speaking like you will not get your voice heard you know because you're already you signed your allegiance away anyway the minute you become a politician so no my answer is no to that yeah yeah so what do you feel about the efficacy of what you're doing here has um, it worked look slowly slowly i guess i don't i very rarely see outside this camp so social media uh i think has a positive effect you know so we try and do that and update all the time i think people are just from what i can gather that they're just um in awe of what 
what we're doing and have done for the past 12 months. So and that was part of the um, reason why as well that we stayed because we wanted to let mainstream and our own people just say, you know what, if they can do it, well, we can too. We're going to stand up to the government. This country is weak as piss. We really are. I think the last I heard a major protest was not putting petrol in your car on a Saturday in Melbourne or something like that late last year. So, you know, we need to start standing up for our rights. Like France does. Stand up to the government. Don't go to work for the day. They're relying on that money. So have you been getting support? Have there been people who have said really nasty things to you? Of course. So, you know, you always get your... Um you know, your nasty people, they're the miserable people in the world. They're the ones that hate going to work, but just they know they have to go for their mortgage, <laughs> yeah. you know, or their children's tuition. But there's some great support. I did have um, a seventh generation Ararat-born woman come out um, with her husband. She was lovely. She's a psychiatrist and he's a social worker and just a beautiful couple. And she said you've got more than half the town support. So, and she runs her own little um, Save the Refugees group in Ararat. So there's about a hundred of them. So yeah, which was really refreshing because you do get this, um, the truck drivers and the locals, you know, some driving up and down, beeping and doing all sorts of nasty stuff, but, and you think that's the whole town, but it's really not. Also from Melbourne, there's been it's truckload of support, you know, non-Indigenous people coming here all the time, you know, especially at the start, just wanting to know, they're thirsting for the knowledge. So have you gotten support from the government in any way um, have you gotten support from members of parliament um, or any specific people who are related to them at all? Okay so the Greens um, look at election time I think maybe one or two members popped in there was an independent that came I think I'm not sure the name of his party but he does the, the wildlife uh, I'm not sure of the name of him he came by no local members. Yeah, no, really not. No, they want this road and that's it. Okay. Yeah. When do you see this ending? Look, <sighs> I'm just taking it day by day. Yeah. And when it does all come to a, you know, a stop either way, I feel like we've won anyway. If it goes their way, well, we're not losers. We've fought to the very end and there'll always be other projects anyway after this, unfortunately there'll always be something else that's going on that we have to all fight for. So, yeah, it's about the climate, but it's all of our responsibilities, this world. Yeah. It's everyone's responsibility, you know, our own individual responsibility to take care of Mother Earth. That mainstream life that you talked about that happened before this, Yeah. anything that you're going to go back to? No, or? I don't think, look, no, I don't think so. I, I want to be able to do what I'm doing now. Fighting the fight is it's rewarding because you know some of us have got to do it. Um, and I think the rest of the people that are asleep, like I was saying before, they'll come along when they're ready to come. You can't make people wake up. Yeah, so I'm doing it for everybody, you know. I'm not doing it for just for our people, but for, for everybody, you know, for the whole nation, for the whole world, just doing my part. So who else has been doing their part as much and as long as you Okay, have? so yeah, so that's um, Zalanak, yeah. uh, which is my partner, DT. He's been he, he was he's been here from day one, um, and this is and he's uh, a Japarong descendant as well. Yeah. He's the one that's been it's just been really us two. Okay. Full, full time. Someone always has to be here. Well, that's the what that's how we feel, you know. Yeah. Like it mightn't be the case, but you know we feel funny being away from here. Yeah. So yeah, we're very protective. So what does that feel like? Like as long as you're not here, this doesn't run right is that pressure at all or yeah sure it can be 
but I don't look at the pressure. There's a bigger picture than me, you know. Things are way bigger than me. You know, I'm just this little speckle in it all. So that's the way I think of it. I'm not, I can't speak on his behalf, but that's the way I, I see it anyway. Otherwise, you'd go crazy, you know, under all that pressure. It's pressure at times because you've got people pulling you in all sorts of directions, you know, every day. You know, you've got radio, TV, um, you know, people doing, wanting to do interviews and um, little short films and writing and drawings and oil paintings and, you know, it's all sorts of things, but we have to go with it. We just feel obligated to. So when, hypothetically, that this ends soon and you go back home, what does it look like for you from Scary there? because, um, oh, look, I can't even, just that city skyline makes me cringe now, you know. So, look, like I said, there's always got to be other projects. There's always other fights out there. I, I don't say I'm an activist, but that's what some people call it. I just say, you know, I'm doing what's right and as being a protector for future generations. You've tuned in to episode 00 of TLW Listen, a That Loud Woman production. The producers of today's episode are Rubina Smith, Alexandra Whitmore, Lucinda Bryan, Alex Croft, Ruby Craven, and Nandini Shah. A special thanks to Amanda Muhammad and the members of the Jaborong Embassy. A special thanks also to Denny Proctor for providing the song Waking Bliss for use in the podcast. If you want to support their cause, visit www.dwembassy.com or find them on Facebook at the Jaborong Heritage Protection Embassy. We'll be right back.